everybody. Welcome to A Ladder Day in Europe, episode 5, with your hosts, Isabel Geens and David Geens. Hi, David. How are you doing? Well, in fact, we've been offline for quite a while. We did. And that's because I suffered uh, something severe in my health. I had a brain hemorrhage and I was out for several months. And now I'm recovering, but still facing some surgery. But uh, yeah, that took some time. I needed some personal time to uh, recover. But uh, we're still here and we're still uh, working on this uh, podcast for our listeners. So let's make episode number five. Yep, let's do that. And we have some great issues because, yeah, it was great to be a Latter-day Saint in Europe the last few weeks. We had the temple dedication in Rome and that led to a, a special series of events. First of all, I want to discuss about the fact that the Pope, the leader of the Catholic Church, had a private meeting with our president, President Nelson. So... Um, yeah, now we kind of have those jokes like, do you know the one of the Pope and the Prophet? And, <laughs> um, no, but but seriously, it was a great event. Um, we have to put it in, in perspective because the Pope is the, uh, the pontiff of the Catholic Church. Catholic Church with almost 2 billion members. It's, yeah... A little bit larger than the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints with 16 millions. But still, it's a fact of recognition for our church, don't you think so? Yes, yes. I think that's a historical meeting between our prophet and the Pope. And uh, yeah, well, you said that the, the Catholic Church has 2 billion members. Well, maybe you guys know or maybe you don't, but... Before we became members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we uh, we were Catholic. And uh, okay, we were baptized in the Catholic Church, but we were not active. So um, I don't know how many of those two billion uh, baptized people uh, are still active. I think we should look look this figure uh, numbers up, actually. Yeah, but okay, but that's the same for our church. Of those 16 mm. millions, we know that maybe 30, 35% is still active. So if you then want to compare it, yeah, it's still in comparison. It's 2 billion versus 16 million. It's huge versus very small. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but still, that that means that that our church is is getting on on the map and is getting visible. It's mm -hmm. still, yeah, a huge recognition. Yes, yes. Actually, I thought that um, the Pope met one of our prophets before. I mean, um, I was actually surprised that President Nelson was the first one. Um, but yes, it was a huge event, and uh, I. Uh, I enjoyed seeing the pictures of those two. And actually, I wish I was a fly in that room when they were speaking, because I would, yeah, I would have liked to be there and, um, and to hear what those people said to each other. Yeah. Talking about pictures, two remarks. The first one, have you seen the meme uh, of the picture where uh, the our prophet, uh, along with President Ballard and, and some of the, the 70s, uh, were uh, standing next to the Pope? And then the meme read, why didn't someone warn me about the dress code? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, that was actually a funny meme. Yes, yeah. well. But, but secondly, about those pictures... 
another thing that uh, stood out to me was, look at this, all male. Didn't mm-hmm. you expect that at least the Relief Society president should have been there? Um, no, actually, I didn't. Um, I know that the meeting between the Pope and President Nelson was only about half an hour. I think if they would have spent a day with each other, there would have been more time and, and, and more issues to talk about. So I think it was kind of a brief meeting. And uh, yeah, you can't you can't add everyone or, or whatever. So no, no. Uh, it would have been it would have been fun, of course, but I am not um, surprised or disappointed that there was not, not a single woman there. No. Yeah, it's still both churches are still in in the business of male priesthood. So uh, that's uh, no surprise either. I guess mm-hmm. it would have been strange, maybe, if we had a woman up there. Then, then it would be maybe confronting for the Pope in in the fact that we do have women in leadership uh, positions. Yeah, well, actually, um, yes, in the Catholic Church, you will you won't find that many women. So I'm already happy that in our church, um, we can give talks, we can have leading. Um, uh, callings um so yeah okay we don't have the priesthood but actually that that doesn't bother me i'm already happy that uh i have a voice i have something to say they listen uh and about the pope finding this confronting i don't think so i think i don't know the guy that well but i think he's pretty open-minded if i remember some of the things he said um in articles and on tv um actually that yeah, maybe that would have been a huge breakthrough. Yeah, who knows? But um, no, I'm I'm happily happy and satisfied that the way it went. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing that uh, I looked at was the fact that they exchanged presents, mm-hmm. and I was curious about uh, which presents uh, they exchanged. So President Nelson gave uh, two things to the Pope. It was a miniature version of the Torvaldsen uh, statue of Christ. Yeah, that's gorgeous. Yeah, there was already one thing. Okay, uh, okay, that's something that the Pope certainly doesn't have, a statue of Christ. <laughs> yeah, well... Yeah. But it's 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 a gorgeous uh, it's a gorgeous stat- statue. We also have a miniature of uh, of it on our in our living room. So uh, yeah. yeah, okay. I guess this was very hard to decide. What do you give yeah. to somebody who has a real Michelangelo in his backyard? <laughs> Actually, you know, knowing myself, I would have given chocolates. Mm, yeah, maybe that. But but yeah, we're from Belgium. Yeah, well, that's the thing. We live with chocolates. Yeah, actually, what should, what in the states? Actually, what's so very popular in the states? Um, mm, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, actually, cowboy boots? No, no uh, corn. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, perhaps. Actually, they should have gave him a uh, a uh, the Statue of Liberty, something mm, like that. Yeah, but indeed, that that that's European too. Actually, that's, yeah, that, from, that's, that's from, not American, that's French. Oh, well, yeah, but everyone knows that. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a tough one. That's a tough one. And and the second present they gave was uh, the proclamation to the world about, uh, about families. And um, if you then look at what the Pope gave to, uh, to President Nelson, no, no little Michelangelo, 
No real Michelangelo. <laughs> uh, nothing from, from the Messiah from, from, from the Vatican. No, no, no. He gave uh, two uh, papers, his, uh, his personal views also on the, on the family, the strength of the family, mm-hmm. and about the Islam. Oh. That's, okay. uh, that's the kind of presents they exchanged. Well, actually, you know, the proclamation to the world, I think that's a very good thing. I think it's it's like what is what our fate is about, like on one uh, sheet of paper. So I th- I think this is a really really good present. Yeah, but once again, I had the consideration that I missed something. If you then, what what is the the biggest present that we as Latter-day Saints give uh-huh. to other people. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. That's the Book of Mormon. Yes, yes, yes. And okay, I didn't expect that President Nelson would just give the the blue soft cover version that every missionary <laughs> hands out by, by the, the dozens a day. But for instance, a first edition copy. Oh, <laughs> that, that would have been something special that was still yeah. diplomatic enough to, to give that surprised me somehow that that wasn't one of the gifts. Well, actually, no, it doesn't surprise me. I think that would be very uh, confronting for for uh, the Pope. And, and uh, I think maybe he would have taken it the wrong way. Um, you know, if we give people the Book of Mormon, we it's, it's our intention for them uh, to read it and, and to perhaps get interested in our religion. Um, so I, I don't think it's the purpose of, um, of our prophet to, to, uh, to convert the Pope. And I think that, yeah, some people might, might take it the wrong way. So I, I think, yeah, I think it was the best thing not to give a copy of the Book of Mormon. Yeah, but you cannot convert the Pope. Otherwise, that would be great. (laughs) What a kind of story that would be. Wow. And if he would say, okay, let's go over all together. uh, (laughs) I I guess he would negotiate some some kind of conditions for for being the second prophet or something like that. (laughs) But but that beside, uh, let's, yeah, I I think it still would have been, this, this was all, yeah, if you look at it again, 2 billion versus 60 million. Yeah. For the Catholic Church, this was nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Catholic newspapers, Catholic media didn't report about this. Yeah. It was just one of the smaller churches they work together with, something uh, eucumenial that the Catholic Church is doing already for, uh, for decades since the, the Second uh, Vatican Concili. Um, so, yeah, that wasn't a big surprise, and it was it was not a big event for them. Only thirty three minutes. Okay, mm-hmm. for our church, this was a big event. If yes. you then look at how this was all published in uh, the newsroom, uh, they uh, sent it out immediately to the media. Mm-hmm. Right after the visit, there was already press coverage. Yes. Uh, so for our church, this was quite important. So at that moment, if you see it like a big public relations event, mm-hmm. then I would have used the Book of Mormon mm-hmm. because yeah. then you state, okay, this is what we have in difference. This is something extra that we have. Don't forget that, in fact, 
the Catholic Church may say, okay, we are brother in arms in working together in charity, mm -hmm. but uh, Catholic Church doesn't recognize our church as a Christian church. They yep. still say that we are not real Christians. Mm -hmm. They don't recognize our baptisms. Yep. While they do recognize the baptisms of uh, evangelical churches, for instance. Yep. So, yeah, I I missed it. But Well, I think, you know, we had different perspectives, I think. I think the Pope wanted to meet President Nelson um, only because we have a temple now in Rome. I think if the temple would would not be there, we would never have the opportunity to meet a Pope. And from our side, you know, for us, it was like a big recognition. It was like, oh, wow, the Pope wants to meet or someone from our church. Um, so we had uh, different expectations for sure. So, um, yes, I think you have to put this in, in, uh, in perspective. And uh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. And then... Yeah, the temple is is the second big event, and it's it's all thanks to the the temple because for our church this is somewhat reaching second base. If first mm -hmm. base is our our home turf in Salt Lake City, then Rome is yeah. You you can talk a lot about Rome, and it's a beautiful city, and it once was the center of the world and the universe. But it is still somehow the center of Christianity, mm -hmm. being yeah the home of, of the Catholic Church, and that the fact that we've built a temple over there, and even if you look at the the, the dedication prayer, where this referred to the original apostles uh, Peter and Paul, mm -hmm. yeah, then you see how important this is for our church, even then the fact. And that was another surprise to me that our 15 leaders and the, the entire first presidency and the entire quorum of the 12 apostles were together in Rome. This is the first time that all 15 were in one place outside the United States. Yeah. So you see how important they value, uh, they value the fact uh, themselves. Even President Nelson said that he was instructed by the Lord mm -hmm. to gather all together over there in Rome. So, yeah, I think this for our church this is a big step. And 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 yeah, President Nelson said a while ago, okay, get some rest, take your vitamin pills, <laughs> uh, because you will uh, you will be surprised by what will follow. I think this is already one of those things. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. When I saw the picture of um, all the apostles and, and the first presidency um, dressed in white, you know, in front of the statue of, of Jesus Christ there in the temple, it was, it almost made me cry, you know, it was so touching to see them uh, all together. And I think my, I think the, the Pope must have been kind of intimidated. He said, like, <laughs> I think he saw like all those leaders and, and he's all by himself there. So perhaps they did that just to show the Pope, you know, how important they think uh, Rome is for them. Yeah, maybe the Pope was thinking, oh no, the barbarians are there again. <laughs> oh, barbarians, no, no, no. Yeah, the, the first fall of Rome was with the barbarians, so no. maybe. Uh, no, but it was indeed uh, significant that... Uh, that our leadership was there. But once again, I missed some woman. 
Yeah, yeah, okay, but okay, there are no female apostles. There is no uh, female uh, in uh, in the first presidency. No, you know, I I don't know why you 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 focus on uh, on the uh, on the equality between uh, men and women here. Okay, but um, I don't know. Um, I th- I think it's a normal thing for them. You know, it's a. Uh, yeah, and, and yeah, maybe maybe that's yeah. I have a different view on it. Strangely enough, because I'm the male one mm-hmm. over here, but uh, yeah, I still I'm proud of our church to recognize the fact that that men and women have equal value. That we have women in great leadership positions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and okay, we still make the difference in the priesthood. That's something else. I totally agree, and uh, I don't want to say otherwise. I'm, I'm or let me put it like this: I'm I'm not rallying for women in the priesthood, uh, but I'm proud on the fact that we have women in great leadership yes. positions. Yes, yes, and yes, that exactly. women can speak out for themselves in our church. Mm-hmm. And then at such moments. Yeah, I I missed it a little bit. Yeah, it would have been different if they if there would have been, for example, female apostles, and and they would have not taken them with the with them to 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 Rome and and you know left them uh, behind. But no, they didn't. It's just yeah, that's the way it is. So uh, you know what what is remarkable for me, and that also shows the uh, the importance of uh, of the of yeah having a temple in Rome is that. So many people we know in in our from our friends or in our ward, so many people went to the open days in Rome. I mean that is remarkable. I remember when the the Paris Temple um, had open days, um, not that many people uh, went over there, or at least not that many people we knew or we know. But uh, now in Rome, it was like I felt like I was the only one who who wasn't there. True, I had the same feeling, and there you see once again the the big attraction uh, there is to the fact that we now have a temple in Rome. Uh, okay, it's the biggest temple in in Europe at this moment, so yeah, that's that's another kind of attraction. But uh, Rome is Rome, and we still have a feeling maybe like okay, let's see Rome, and then we can die. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it will will all uh, come into account for this. But yeah, it, it's significant that we have a temple over there, yes, and I is. think it is great that we have a temple over there. So let's uh, let's enjoy that and, and be proud that that our church is growing in Europe too, and that we can celebrate this. And uh, let's hope that our members now, uh, in uh, certainly in Italy, can enjoy. The fact that they have a temple, um, I read about a story, somebody who lived close to um, to the Swiss border in, in the neighborhood of Milano, and he said, okay, I'm, I'm closer to the Bern temple um, in Switzerland, but no way that I'll go over there. I will go to the Rome temple uh, because course. I'm Italian. Yes. Yeah, actually, I, I can, yeah, I can relate to that. Of course, of course. And we must admit, people perhaps don't know that, or listeners, but we have a special bond with Rome, don't we? Do we? <laughs> okay, well, let, let's 
let's give some uh, internal information here. My husband proposed to me in Rome uh, at uh, the Trevi fountain. So, um, and we throw in, uh, in in the fountain. You know, there's, there's a, some kind of legend. If you throw in a coin, that means that you will ever, ever, you know, in your life go back. So, uh, and we did. So we should go back and perhaps we should go back to the temple or at least go to the temple. And, uh, you want to take the risk to go back <laughs> to Rome and maybe I propose to another oh, woman over okay. there? No, no. Okay, no, 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 no. Okay, let's skip that one. <laughs> no, but I certainly want to go to the Rome temple. That's uh, Rome is, is always been a city that, that's in my heart. So uh, we'll go over there. Mm. Okay, uh, enough about all this. Uh, we can keep on talking about this, but we ha- have an interview uh, ready for our listeners. We talked to Per Herey. He is a famous singer, writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does a lot of things. Yeah, it's uh, he is a big artist. Uh, we had the honor to interview him. He lives in Sweden, and uh, I think we don't have to say much more and then no. can invite our listeners to listen to the interview. Hello everybody, we're here gathered with Per Herey, one of the famous Herey brothers in Sweden and uh, we have the honor to have a talk with him for our Latter Days in Europe podcast. Hi Per, how are you? Hi, I'm fine, thank you. So thank you very much for uh, making some time available for us. It's uh, wonderful to to have uh, a famous uh, Latter Day Saint on our show, and uh, we're we're glad that uh, we can have this this little talk. But maybe for our listeners, before we get uh, into the more famous part of your life, tell us a little bit about your uh, background. Were you raised in the church? Where do you live? Uh, about your family? Details like that. Okay. Um, yes, um, I, I'm uh, uh, the oldest son in a, in a family of seven children. I have two younger brothers and four sisters. And uh, my parents joined the church um, just before I was born in 1957. And uh, they, uh, the missionaries knocked on their door and they became interested in, and joined the church and and did some adjustments in their life to to join the church, and so we. Uh, I grew up in the church, um, and we. Uh, it was a part of our life, uh, and has been ever since. So then, um, um, my background too is that I, um, of course, started a music career quite early in my life, um, with my younger siblings. And uh, but I we, I took a break from that uh, in 1977 when I went on a mission for the church in, in Chile, South America for two years, and then I picked up the music career again after that. And um, we uh, eventually, a few years later, uh, entered the competition for the Eurovision, and we won that in 1984. So that's why you are referring to me being famous. But it's a long time ago, David. Yeah, no, 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 no. You're still, you're still famous uh, when we, when we've done our research. So, like you mentioned, you, you had a successful and still having a successful singing career. 
was it somehow by coincidence that you rolled into music or was it, yeah, you were two years old and already knowing, okay, music is my thing? Um, I think it became quite natural. Um, when I was 14, uh, around there, I started writing my own songs uh, and uh, playing guitar and uh, music came, yeah, as a, as a natural part in our family. We, My father is a very good singer and so we've always had music in, in our family and of course to the church, it has always been a lot of music activity sort of and I think at that time as well, the, the Osman brothers were very famous in the 70s. I think they inspired us to um, to make like a group uh, thing, sort of. So that was an inspiration for us as well. But um, if I remember that correctly, first your sister, Marie, was part of the band, wasn't she? Yes, absolutely. She was uh, part of it for... For quite a few years, and then when she was 16, she decided that she wanted to do other things in life and uh, had a boyfriend and so forth, and it wasn't so much fun anymore to rehearse and rehearse and rehearse without anything really happening. So I, I don't I don't blame her in a way. That was her choice in that, in that part of life. And it was this was in 1976, I believe, uh, that she dropped out, and, and it was eight years later that we actually won in the Eurovision, so it was quite a few years in between there. Okay. And uh, you told uh, a few minutes ago that, uh, meanwhile, you went on a mission while building a music career. Wasn't that a difficult decision to interrupt your uh, your way to success? <laughs> In a way, I guess uh, you could say that. But um, for me, it, it became a very um, strong desire to go on a mission. I felt that was something that I really, really wanted to do. And I have never regretted that uh, choice. Uh, in my, it was probably one of the best two years in my life, I would say. And um, so I, I, it was a very good schooling for me for the for the life after that I would say I learned so much and it was such a great experience uh, you went uh, to Chile is that correct on your mission yes that's that's correct yeah and uh, how was your mission tell us something yeah something special that happened there or something funny Oh, <laughs> um, well it was uh, I mean for me coming from Sweden. I was the only Swede in in the, in the mission. Uh, there were all my companions were either Americans or uh, Chileans, about fifty fifty, I would say. And then there were, I think, there was like a Japanese missionary there. But the one funny thing that happened in the beginning of my mission, I have, I had only been out for like three weeks, and um, the 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 mission had like every zone uh, was supposed to like uh, make up their own song so like your own hymn so everybody would take um um everybody would take like a, a, a existing hymn and they would put their own lyrics to it but uh i wrote a, a completely new hymn <laughs> and put my own lyrics to it uh and uh that song became like the mission song after that and 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 was for many many years i don't know if it still is but i know some missionaries have told me that that went later uh, that 
the, this song that I, this hymn that I wrote, still being played as the mission song there. So that was kind of a fun thing. That's a great story. Uh, did you ever return to Chile? Um, I, I did return a few years later, but um, they to a to a music competition actually. In in uh, the year before we won the Eurovision, I was invited to uh, as a solo artist to sing in, at the big music festival they have in Chile. So that was in 1983, and um, unfortunately, I became very sick from food poisoning before performing so it wasn't one of my greatest performances in life but uh it was uh it was it was fun to go back and meet some of my friends from the mission time of course it was very very nice and then in uh, 1984 the big moment that you mentioned the eurovision song contest so it's famous in europe but we know that we also have a lot of listeners latter-day saints in uh, america maybe you should explain first what uh, this is all about because in europe it's a big thing but uh, in in the other parts of the world yeah it starts getting big nowadays but it wasn't in the 80s so maybe you can explain it to our listeners well, the, the the Eurovision Song Contest is basically like at first a national competition where every country um, has a, a qualification round, so to speak, where where you uh, contest against local from your own country, and if you win your country's competition, then you go on to represent your country in this uh, Eurovision Song Contest. Where when we competed, it was only like. I think 16 countries or something. Now it's all of uh, Eastern Europe as well. So I guess we're what 48 countries now or something like that. There are in that competition. So it's become quite uh, much more uh, larger than it was when we competed. But it's a big thing. It's a it's a very I mean it's one of the most viewed uh, uh, music events in the world. I would say. Yeah, uh, uh, indeed. Uh, even nowadays, Australia is taking part in it. So it's uh, getting bigger than Europe alone. Exactly. Yes. And so you and your brothers entered then the national contest uh, for Sweden, and then you won. Uh, was, were you one of the favorites at that time, or was it a complete surprise for you? Well, I mean, we came from basically nothing. We had lived a few years in the in the United States prior to that competition, where we uh, went to dance schools in in Los Angeles, uh, and we nobody, I mean, nobody knew in Sweden who we were, basically, uh, but a few people, <laughs> you know. Uh, so when we um, when we entered or when we qualified to become part of the competition. Uh, I mean, the, the newspapers, the media was, you know, they were wondering who who were these brothers, you know, all of a sudden. And but I think as time went on and and the song, they listened to the song and so forth. I think they, mm, I think as the competition was, yes, I would say we became uh, one of the favorites to win it. Yes. Okay, great. The song you won uh, was Digaloo Digalay. Mm -hmm. What is it all about? Well, it's uh, it's a very uh, uh, how do you say it in English? It's it's a very uh, you could call it trivial uh, lyrics, but at the same time, it was kind of like a it's about somebody 
who uh, who has some dreams and the dreams become true and you know a, a symbol of you walking in your golden shoes and, and that becomes a symbol of your dreams coming true basically so uh, so the song was actually uh, it was sort of like it was made for us in a way because through that song our dreams came true in a way so it was kind of uh, fun I think yeah that's uh, that's very special what I saw by looking at the archives of the Eurovision was that before '84, uh, almost no one was dancing. Were you one of the first dancing groups in in Eurovision? Well, that's one of the things we became sort of famous for for being just that for sort of introducing the the like the dance movements into the competition because before then there hasn't been any. Like like nowadays we would know like a boy band dance group sort of uh, we we were like the, we were like the the early one of the early boy bands I would say and uh, we introduced mm -hmm. uh, the dance absolutely and and uh, the funny thing was in in the Swedish local competition there was uh, one of the competitors uh, manager he was so frustrated that we actually did dance and said that uh, uh, he 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 wanted to for forbid us to dance in the competition because it wasn't fair against to the, towards the others. <laughs> okay, that's yeah. funny. Oh, you, yeah. um, did winning the Eurovision Song Contest, was that a, a boost for your career? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's hard to get any bigger than that. For us, it was like instant uh, fame, you know, and success in that sense. I mean, it was... Uh, very much uh, hysteria and and allowed us to to uh, do what we always wanted to do basically you know make music and perform was it uh, easy to experience this sudden success uh, i would I would say that in a way, no, in a way, yes. I, th I think it helped us being three, and I think it also helped our background, being quite down to earth. Um, but at the same time, when you have so much success that like people faint when you go into like a store, and uh, you know when you go into a bank, uh, you never have to show your ID because uh, everyone knows who you are. Uh, it's... Um, it's easy to uh, lose a little bit grip of, of reality, sort of. I mean, it, I would say that, yeah, it changed us a bit in some ways, but not too bad, I would say. <laughs> we, I think we managed to survive it pretty, pretty okay. Because, because some people great. can't deal with it. Uh, to be, I mean, it becomes too much uh, pressure and too much uh, hysteria in their lives, uh, I guess. Yeah, I can imagine because uh, we cannot um, undervaluate the the success that uh, you had with your brothers. Uh, one one thing that I read uh, in in old press articles was that you were one of the first boy bands, Western bands, performing behind the Iron Curtain in Eastern Europe. And uh, that you were a big hit in in the communistic part of of Europe, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we were uh, we were fortunate to uh, win after the year after we won the Eurovision. We actually won the 
the the East European uh, festival, uh, music festival in Sopot in Poland, and and through that we became very very famous also in Eastern Europe, who who at that time wasn't part of the Eurovision family sort of, so so for us it opened up doors to to tour in in, in Poland especially and in the Baltic countries and in former Soviet Union we did two large tours there. Uh, so that was uh, that was uh, quite an experience back in those days. It was just in just when Gorbachev was in power, and and the things were beginning to change. And uh, yeah, we were just uh, yeah. Now that I look back on it, it was uh, an amazing experience. Yeah, it should be. That's uh, that's something crazy. Looking back at that time, all the all the the photos I've seen and, and the articles I've read, it's uh, it's really amazing. You should be proud of that. And what was also remarkable in all these interviews is that you often refer to the fact that uh, the three of you were members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. Came this naturally to you to talk about this? Yes, I think it did uh, from the very beginning. I would say, and uh, and uh, of course the, the 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 people in the in the Soviet Union back in those days that they would never take anybody uh, to uh, their country unless they could uh, trust them. And I think I think one of the things was I mean they were pretty impressed. We we didn't drink alcohol. Uh, and just that fact alone, we were young, you know, young men, sort of, and we, we were non-alcoholic uh, people. And I think that was, I think they saw that as, as uh, we could set some good examples uh, uh, over there to, to, a lot of, to a lot of people. So I think they, they knew that we were clean cut and uh, we had good uh, values in life. And uh, so I think that was part of the reason we were able to come over there, actually. Yeah. Um do you or did you see uh, you being famous as some kind of um, missionary work? No, I, I think it's, I mean, I, I think it's hard to say that, you know, you can't, I mean, the music is one thing and uh, uh, you do the music and, and uh, if it becomes successful, yeah, that's fine. And, and then if, if people become interested in your philosophy and life sort of through that, yeah, well, that's fine. But that's, you know, that's just, it, it happens by itself sort of. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, you probably know some people who became members of the church because of, yeah, you and your brothers. Do you have any idea how many people, um, yeah, became members because of you? No, I have no idea. But I've I've heard a few stories from people, of course, that have become uh, members and in, they became interested in in the church uh, philosophy and and through that became members and and that's fine, you know. That's but but it wasn't something, you know, that we uh, try to make a like a big issue out of, sort of. Yeah. You mentioned already the the Osmans, the other famous singing family uh, in our church. Mm -hmm. Are you often compared to them? Do do you get often the subtitle? Yeah, these are the European Osmans or something like that. Well, I, since since we weren't really famous in the United States, I mean, we never made music career there. I, I, that comparison hasn't been heard so much a few times uh, here in Europe, but not so not so often, I would say. Okay, 
And how is uh, how is music going on in your life right now? Your this is still your uh, second big love, I, I I would guess. I guess that your family is number one, but music uh, still high on the on the ranking list. Yeah, I mean, music. It's not something that I that I uh, make a living from today. I mean, yeah, I, I, we do it sometimes still. We, we still perform once in a while, uh, a couple of times a year as, as, as a group. And I still write music, but I do it on my spare time. I, I, today I work as a business lawyer for the Opera House in Göteborg. And uh, so I, I sort of ended up through in that career instead. So that, that's, uh, I've been a lawyer for the last 20 years now. So uh, that's my main uh, profession in life. And, and the music, of course, it's always there. I write music and I uh, love music. And, uh, but today it's not, uh, not so serious, I guess you could call it in a way. It's uh, more something I do for fun. Um, your music, can you, can you say that it was influenced by your fate or was it the other way around? Um, well, that's a good question. I no, I, I don't think that. Um, I think that my my as a songwriter, it it was not inspired by my fame. I would say, on the contrary. Um, but uh, then, of course, the, the music that we ended up doing as a group uh, sort of defined us uh, in a way, uh, and sometimes it defined us in a way that I wasn't totally comfortable with at that time because it was a little bit different from, from what I, my core uh, uh, was, I would say. But that's, I mean, that's part of show business. I mean, you, you, you look back at it and say, okay, there were a lot of things I would have done differently. But uh, at the same time, uh, I mean, as the experience as a whole was fantastic. And yeah, so it's, it's nothing I regret really, but it's just uh, something that I think about once in a while. Yeah. I can imagine that being young and famous at that time uh, that that put a lot of pressure on on you and your brothers um and that uh, sometimes it yeah it it was uh, maybe hard to uh, to stay a member of the church but uh, if you compare it to now if you now look uh, to to our to our church and the young people now and we see them leaving for different kind of reasons do you think that time changed a lot and and do you think that it's hard now for young people to stay active well um, it, I, I don't know really i i think that people left uh, there were young people many young people leaving the church uh, back then as well and i think that's how it is you know religious life is uh, sometimes uh, difficult i guess for some people and and uh, some people just don't uh, yeah don't feel that they want to to live that kind of life and they they leave and uh, do other things and uh, I, I don't know of course yeah time has changed and, and, and there are 
lot of different uh, pressures on the on the young people today. But um, I would say there's always been, you know, I think in any dom- denomination, any church, uh, young people uh, leave, and maybe sometimes they come back when they get older and so forth. Yeah, of course. One thing that wasn't mentioned before is that uh, you're 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 always it seems always successful if you're in in your uh, artistic skills is that you're not only writing music and songs but uh, you are now also a successful book uh, author, uh, having published already several novels. Um, how is that going? Well, uh, I wouldn't call myself famous uh, author, but uh, it's. Uh, I, I decided to, uh, to to take a shot at it a few years ago, and uh, I enjoy that very much. It's been a lot of fun. It's been a fun challenge to to write this uh, crime novels uh, that I'm doing, and also like a children's book. And um, I love, you know, I love telling stories, basically. And I, and I do that through my music, too. I think a lot of my songs are like telling, like it's, it's telling a story, sort of. I think that's always been part of me. And uh, the stories in the, in the book, of course, it's a little bit longer, but I think it's the same, it comes from the same source, sort of. And uh, yes, I, I think uh, the, the reception of my books uh, has been very positive. People like them a lot, but... Uh, I haven't reached out with a big publishing company, so uh, I wouldn't say that I'm very famous as an author. <laughs> but uh, of course, the the readers uh, they know. Yeah. Maybe after they they hear it on this podcast, uh, they'll run to the shop and and start buying like crazy. You never know, and then you get an offer. Yeah, but uh, but it's only in Swedish, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, but still. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, um, you know, one of the important places in your books uh, is uh, Soleftio. Yes. Why is that uh, city so important for you? Well, um, Soleftio is, is a town, and it's a small town, beautiful in, in a valley by the river up in the northern part of Sweden. And that's uh, where I was um, made, sort of. I came to this world. Um, in Seleftio. My family lived there and that's where my parents uh, came in contact with the church. Um, so Seleftio has always had like a sweet spot in, in my heart, I would say. And uh, I went up there to visit. Uh, a friend took me up there a few years ago and um, I just became very fond of the city and uh, the people there. And uh, So I decided to place this novel uh, basically uh, in, in, in those settings that the city provided. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and talking about uh, Soleftio, you're, uh, yeah, you're fighting actually for the hospital there. Uh, can you tell us what's going on there? Uh, well, the, the politicians decided to close down the, the uh, what do you call it? Uh, <laughs> A child uh, giving birth to children, uh, and um, which was uh, a big blow to the city, of course. And um, I've I've just been very supportive of their fight. Uh, they, they are doing like a friendly occupation. Uh, no, not an occupation. Uh, like a, what do you call it? Uh, they're um, they're occupying the the 
the entrance of the hospital with uh, the, the uh, 24 hours uh, a day. They have people sitting there as like a silent protest against that they close down the delivery part of the hospital. And um, I think I think I think it's like a, it's a symbol of of the. The, the times we're living in that uh, more and more things are becoming centralized. And I don't think that's a good idea. I think uh, people pay their taxes and they should be able to live in not only in the big cities uh, to have uh, like uh, good health care and so forth. Uh, but so I think it, it, it's a part of, it's a part of the, the whole, the whole country should, should live and have uh, equal opportunities. Wow, amazing. You are a great singer, a great music and songwriter, writing books, and you're also fighting injustice. Do you still have time to sleep? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> of course I do. But uh, this... Um This, uh, you know, I this part of of the, my engagement in in Suleftio and their fight for the hospital. Uh, of course, it's not something that uh, occupies me 24 hours, uh, uh, but uh, once in a while I I do. I, I I follow it a lot in the in the social media, especially, and try to. I wrote a song to like for them to use like a fighting song, sort of. And that was uh, that was a proud moment. I, I, I enjoy that. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. So uh, once again, something to be proud of. So uh, to to end this uh, nice talk, because we could go on for hours and hours, because you're such a source of inspiration for all of us. But uh, one question we ask to all our studio guests is um, if you think about uh, our faith in Europe, let's call it, still call it Mormonism, do you think it's different in Europe than it is in its home country, United States? Um, I mean, I, I lived in the, in, the, in the United States for years, and um, uh, so I, 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 can, I can compare, I guess. I lived in Spain also. I lived in Chile. I mean, the church... I mean, as a as a whole, I would say the church is as uh, is very um, uh, it's very much alike. But of course, there are cultural differences in in uh, in each uh, part of the world. Yes, there are. But but uh, as a as a whole, the, the church. I mean, if you go into congregation in in uh, one part of the world uh, and you do it in another part of the world, you, you you would recognize yourself. I mean, and feel comfortable. Uh, I would say. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Per, thank you so much for making time available, available for us. Uh, this was very inspiring. I think uh, most of our listeners will uh, love to hear your, uh, your music. We'll put uh, some part of it uh, right after this interview so that people know how you sound when you sing. Um, okay. Thank you very much. Um, Thank you. It's been my Isabel, some, something you want to add? No, I, I'm, I was very happy to be part of this interview. And I'm also, as David said, very grateful for your time mm. and uh, your efforts. No, Thank no, you so much. No, it was my pleasure. So no, no problem. Okay. okay. Thank you. Yes. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Well, that was the interview with Pat. I hope you uh, all enjoyed it. And um, 
He's a wonderful man. He is. He is. He's uh, he's he's great in, in in many things and a big inspiration to so many people. Um, and uh, he talked about a song uh, f- about uh, Klenek and Soleftio. We'll uh, we're gonna put a link to uh, the song uh, in uh, on Spotify at the end of the uh, of the podcast, and as well the link to his website. So uh, you can discover his books. Perhaps if you're interested, you can order them. Or they are in Swedish. They are in Swedish, but okay. Um, you never know. You know, maybe there are people in talking Swedish in the states. You know, who knows. Yeah, who knows? And we have listeners in Sweden also. So, well, it's it's a good thing. It's 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 really interesting. Yeah, you yeah. should do it. We'll put it in the show notes. Okay, let's wrap episode number five. Um, this was uh, great to to have a new episode again. Uh, let's try to from now on to have uh, more regular episodes once again. Yep. Um, Dear listeners, if you can uh, give us a review on iTunes, that would be great. That would help us to spread out our podcast. Um, tell other people also, if you use other uh, podcast apps, uh, please give us a star or another kind of review. Uh, if you have questions, come to our Facebook page. Leave your questions and remarks up there. We love to hear from you. We love to hear what you would like to hear in our show. So please contact us and let us know what we can do for you. And uh, yeah, that's it for the for today. Yes, yes. Um, I truly hope to see you or hear you about you and uh, uh, hope to be back. Okay. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.